Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about a bunch of news that's coming out, the alien role-playing game that was announced, as well as the difference between a dungeon crawl and an adventure. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian. Over there at Sir Lucian Gaming, say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. I hope everybody's going to have a fantastic weekend of watching some Avengers, (laughs) Game of Thrones Episode 3, and playing a bunch of Dungeons & Dragons or whatever your favorite RPG is this week. Hopefully you get some in. So we are excited this morning. It's crazy. Uh, I, gosh, I want to, uh, we haven't played my regular D&D game on Sundays in like, <laughs> I want to say like three weeks now. And we're all super itching, like chomping at the bit to play. And this weekend is not going to work either. So we can't play this weekend. So maybe next weekend, but it's like, uh, and uh, my players, although they like DCC, I think they really miss D&D and the fact that we've only been playing Dungeon Crawl Classics and not having our sunday games as well that's like mm-hmm. affecting their they're just like i just really i really, really just want to cast spells i was like no i understand i also miss my character so <laughs> um so all you pe- lucky people out there that are playing uh, all of the games uh consider yourselves lucky but lots of stuff happening lots and lots of stuff happening stuff that was brought to our attention literally three minutes yeah. before the show started um That's why so Lucian's we'll, distracted. <laughs> we will try to cover uh everything that we have. Um but there were in in the news of Dungeons and Dragons, um um and this is probably coinciding with the new uh stuff that's going to come out in in may right that's when the stream is the the descent yeah yep. so yep. they're doing a lot of lore you should know and they kind of do this before other uh, uh things are released they kind of like hint at the lore behind whatever adventure they're going to do so they did a lore you should know on the hierarchy of Baldur's gate um they did a lore you should know on the lady of pain which was huge i feel because she's like such a prominent planescape character um and she's really mysterious and it was interesting listening to that because she's purposely mysterious. Like they've never statted Mm -hmm. her out. They never really said like what all of her powers are because they want her to be this like omnipotent being that even controls the gods to an extent. So she kind of reminds me of Lord Ao from forgotten realms mythology where he doesn't need worshipers. He's just this like powerful being that kind of controls the gods. And I feel like the lady of pain is the same way. Like she, she's at the hub of the multiverse and she kind of oversees all of that. But they did a really good lore you should know on that with Chris Perkins mm-hmm. and Greg Tito. And then they also talked about the Dark Eight, which are uh, generals in hell. These, these, uh, yeah, these, they're not, they're arch fiends, I guess, but they're not, um, they're not the ones that run hell, uh, the arch devils, they are like generals underneath and you can become a general and lose that status and come back and forth. So they talk about the dark eight a little bit, which was just really good fuel for me to make a video on that. I'm like, I didn't even really know this existed. I need to like research yeah. some more. And that that's clearly for the descent. That's gotta yeah, be for that. May. I feel that one for sure. Because yep, that other picture one is an angel, like, reaching down and all these, like, fiendish hands and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Super that was cool. really cool. And then they did a third one, which was the Hierarchy of Baldur's Gate, which was yeah. 
One they hadn't, I mean, Baldur's Gate, they they said at the very beginning, because it was kind of, they had like a smile on their face. Baldur's Gate's been covered heavily in the video game space, but maybe not as much in the other spaces. Like There, it, there it was a really crazy adventure that they wrote, yeah. um, and I forget the name of it, but uh, Murder at Baldur's Gate, mm-hmm. um, which involved like a lot of fourth edition stuff turning into fifth edition and vice versa, so... Um, yeah. There's that. Like, I think it's is as popular as Waterdeep or Neverwinter. But yeah, mm-hmm. the we when we think of Baldur's Gate, we think of those video games first. I think because they were just so, uh, yeah, out there. Like, or not and out we, there. We like have like way. we don't have the necessary five E representation of it yet, right? We have kind of a transition period of it. I don't recall it jumping up in like Storm King's Thunder. It didn't pop up in Tomb of Annihilation. It didn't really pop up in obviously uh water deep dragon heist yeah or, there's you know. a blurb about it in the sword coast adventures guide obviously because it's yeah. part of the sword coast but yeah i, I think it's it's been yeah. an untouched area for fifth edition so far so yeah so i bet they come back around to that and it sounds like i think um one of the other news articles that was there is about um them opening up that new studio in austin texas mm-hmm. they hired in james olin who was part of some of design of that kind of stuff in the video game portions or and so i wonder if that's what they're going to do is they're going to try to they've already bridged the gap between this you know this year magic the gathering and dungeons of dragons now do they bridge the gap between some of those other video games out there because right now video game wise you have Neverwinter Nights online, which is playing, mm-hmm. so they could, you know, we could do a Neverwinter Nights tie-in of some sort with the, the the stuff they're doing, or it could be some of the going back to some of these older games, these you know, like throwbacks to these old fun games that people still play on Twitch, people still stream it. There's big fan bases that go back and replay these games over and over, so they're still super popular, and and they're a way that some people got into Dungeons and Dragons. Not everybody was able to find a group to sit down and roll dice. They only found the digital versions first before, you know, as their first introduction to playing RPGs and and getting it going. So Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's what they're doing, but that was one of the other big pieces. So we had really good three lords you should know, which is always good for Jordan because I I can imagine an on Jordan's channel, a a full Planescape series at some point, you know, somebody (laughs) requested that once and and I've gone through the, the planes, around but it would be cool to dive into like the lore and the history of it. yeah man i've got yeah yeah so i got just so much work stuff. to do and then yeah like the dark age just sounds cool yeah. like i want to know more about that just when you say that those three words and then Baldur's gate like it's a big town it's a it's a rougher town it's not a cosmopolitan town like you you think of a water deep or you think of a silvery moon or some of these other big towns there's there's stuff going on in Baldur's gate that's a little bit more sinister and a little bit more gritty so i think if you want a gritty kind of campaign you could be in Baldur's gate instead um yeah cyberwolf so think- points out that horde horde of the dragon queen has some Baldur's gate stuff in it and i think uh oh okay well, maybe uh, i'll get there yeah so i think i'm playing it now <laughs> um so because we're in green rest right now it starts in green rest yeah, no yeah, spoilers. Yeah. that's where you start but maybe i'll get to Baldur's no, and gate. i think you go to Waterdeep. i think that one takes you a whole bunch of different places so oh sweet yeah Awesome. Good. Good. But again, little blurbs. Like it's just kind of like you're here and you pick up, you know, your your groceries and then you leave. So (laughs) cool. So that was a big thing. The other reason I wanted to I put that on our show notes as far as they're opening another studio, because the one thing they mentioned, it wasn't just they need a bigger studio to continue working on Magic the Gathering, which you may assume because it's so big and it's one of the 
the driving factor of Hasbro is still that card game is still the, the juggernaut for them. Um, or Dungeons and Dragons, which is doing really good and is getting better and better year over year. But it said in the article that I read that they're working on a third or other IPs. So something different than those two things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder what we get. We already have a great card game. We have a great role-playing game. We have two cool universes. They're going to do a third something of a universe or a game or something. That sounds cool to me. I can't wait to see what Which, they do with uh, that. Yeah, I, I, a lot of people were speculating that it was a, a video game, but I'm not really sure if it's going to be a video game so much as, like, it seems like Wizards of the Coast likes to have, like, they make cards and they make the, the role-playing games, but uh, the, I think they make a lot of their money by having this intellectual property and then licensing it out. So they license mm-hmm. out you know, Magic the Gathering to make an online Magic the Gathering game. They license out uh, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Forgotten Realms, everything to make video games and various other stuff. And 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 that's part of their, part of what they do as a company, yeah. you know? Yeah, so they it, like to work it, with partners. Yeah, it makes sense for them to be like, well, we want to create a new original IP. Now, what this does for Dungeons and Dragons, I think, and when I say IP, I mean intellectual property, just so we're clear. But what this does for Dungeons and Dragons is much like the Ravnica book that came in for D&D, like if they build, you know, Overwatch 2 or something crazy like that and some something like that, but then they build... They, incorporate that into D&D, it could mean some some more uh, source books like Ravnica in the future. Um, probably mm-hmm. not for a long time, but uh, definitely they like to intermingle their intellectual properties because they own them all. So, yeah. yeah. And sometimes I think creative studios or teams, once they've become successful, they're also ready to start the next thing. Like what's mm-hmm. the next big thing for the next 20 years? What's going to be the next big world do they go and create a new world that's not based on a gary gygax thing do they go and create a new world that's not based on the guy who invented magic the gathering's name is just flown out of my head for some reason but that guy's kind of universe that they designed um, which is very unique are they moving on to the next one are they doing a modern version because it's been a while we've been using these ones that are from 10 15 20 30 40 years ago yeah is where they started where the roots of them started do we get anything new which would be interesting and then yeah what is the media type is it a board game? Is it a role-playing game division? Is it a computer game division? Is it a movies and cartoon division? It could be anything. It could be, yeah. they could bring a magazine back. They could bring some type books, of actual novels, magazine, like books. Yeah, so I know that they kind of wanted know. to get out of the book publishing biz, but um, yeah. And it, I don't know. And I always just, I keep thinking about Blizzard for some reason because Blizzard did this, you know, they with Overwatch. Like they were they were sitting on Diablo and Warcraft for a, and StarCraft for a very long time and then eventually they're just like we want to branch out and make something new and they they did and Overwatch has been six, hugely popular. Um mm-hmm. and and I keep thinking that that's maybe what's going to happen is they're going to come yeah. sit down together and just come up with some really interesting new stuff. So, mm. I don't know, we'll see. So, time will and tell. then the last thing that was interesting about James was that he, they're doing a current Kickstarter right now, even though he's been hired for this new studio to lead the studio, which was for Odyssey of the Dragon Lords, which was a 5e compatible expansion that's out there out on Kickstarter. And it was just another interesting, it's about bringing Greek mythology into oh, your we Dungeons about it last Dragons. Week, yeah. And yeah, we've seen this one out there. And so it's another just nice source book that you might pick up if you want to run a different style campaign that isn't necessarily just sword coast campaign because we're seeing lots of them start to come in and that was kind of 
a little bit of the theme of the news for last week. I was finding a bunch of these little things about here's a new campaign setting for this, or here's a new campaign setting for this, or this one's being kickstarted or, or whatever. So there's a lot, if you are, Hey, I like forgotten realms. Um, I like the sword coast area, but you know what? I'm ready to branch out. I'm ready for my campaign to go somewhere else. Give me something different. There's a lot coming out and there's a lot that's there right now that you can go dive into and just find totally different things to do besides sword coast. But I love Sword Coast, so don't don't get me wrong there. <laughs> um, the other one, I, I just a quick note. We won't even probably stay on it. I, some of us have played Pathfinder, Pathfinder Second Edition, and Starfinder. Um, the whole Starfinder game had come out too. There is another um, campaign setting coming out called Abater Eight. It's out on Drive Through RPG. You can get the free download, which I think is a quick start guide to it now. And the the official book is coming out a little bit later. Um, and so if you're a big Starfinder, it's one of the games that came out a year or two ago that I wanted to jump into right when it happened, but I missed the opportunity. Like I didn't find any groups that were playing and I didn't just say, Hey, I'm going to GM it and do it myself. Mm -hmm. I wanted to play in it, um, a little bit be before I GM'd it. Cause I feel like I'm missing the boat a little bit on that game. Cause it looks fantastic. I'm thinking the rules are pretty good. Some of the games I've watched have been pretty good. Um, I feel like I'm kind of missed that one and I probably should know more about it. Have mm. you played the Starfinder one? Did you get any of those games? Uh, no, I, I, uh, got the PDF and I read through some of the PDFs of Starfinder just cause it was the only, at the time it came out, it was really the only science fiction, uh, not only science fiction game, but it was the only one on my radar, I guess. And it was new and Pathfinder was very popular. So I'm like, Oh, like I'll try to do this. And, and it seemed really cool, but, uh, I never, I never was interested enough to try and throw a party together. And maybe that's because mm -hmm. I didn't have the physical book. And if I had bought the phys I feel like if I buy physical books, I'm more inclined to play the game because if I buy PDFs, I get kind of like eye strain and bored reading the PDF on my computer. But if I can yeah. sit down with my book and actually like read through it, I'm like, Oh, this is really interesting. But uh, yeah, so that's what happened. So I did read through it and it seems really cool, but no, I've never played Pathfinder or Starfinder, but Pathfinder two is coming out as well. Yeah, it might be time to try it. Might, that, might be time to jump like, in. I wonder if they'll have another display at Gen Con. Um, oh, it's going to be big at Gen Con. Yeah, yeah the, the articles I've seen, there because they're unrolling. That's where you get it. It's finally out and finished. They're going to unroll their Pathfinder Society for their for the whole second edition portion of it. And, and Pathfinder and, Society oh, is like Adventure League, right? It's like yeah, playing. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Just as big. And then sometimes I've been to conventions. It's bigger. Like some of the Pathfinder Society rooms and how packed they were, were even more packed than I noticed the Adventure League ones were. So hmm. they, they do a big presence with their, and that's with their old game. I can't imagine what's going to happen with their new second edition that everybody's probably getting geared up for. So it'll be interesting, two big juggernaut games out there. And this is the one that tried to steal the crown. Think of that, really, because you have third edition goes strong, fourth edition comes out, good or bad you love it or you don't pathfinder starts to to grab the rpg crown a little bit from no they did Wizard they were the number one rpg yeah. for a while uh <laughs> until so fifth crazy. edition basically so yeah matt mercer was playing pathfinder before yeah they, they converted all of the classes yeah, to fifth edition crazy. because fifth edition was just out and they were like why don't we switch so yeah. which i feel a lot of people did like fifth edition came out and they were just kind of like like is that is that the calling of, of a lot of role players where like you'll like, I wonder when Pathfinder two comes out, if a lot of fifth edition players are just like, well, this is the new thing we should like, we should start playing Pathfinder two. 
And although I don't anticipate that because I think everybody mm-hmm. I play D&D 5e with really likes D&D 5e, but at the yeah. same time, that was the mentality of like, well, I'm a 3.5 player. What's the next thing? Oh, I don't like fourth edition, so I'll go to Pathfinder. And then they yeah. finish Pathfinder and it's like, well, what's the next thing? Oh, I'll go to D&D 5e. So it, I don't know. It, maybe the rules are mm-hmm. – I, I hear the rules are really crunchy. If you like crunchy, if you like uh, very specific battle and rules for riding horses and all of this other stuff, which usually isn't my thing. I enjoy the Dungeon Crawl Classics. We were talking about this in my game on t- Tuesday where it's it's so open that it's up to the judge, the DM, a whole bunch. And I like that where they can kind of make decisions on like, yeah, I'll allow you to do that. Or mm, that seems a little too powerful, like back and forth. But – uh, in Pathfinder, it's very like you could argue with the DM because you could just say, no, in this rule on page 347, I'm allowed to get a plus two bonus when standing on horseback. And you're like, yeah. oh, OK, you are, you know, <laughs> you do have your plus two, <laughs> you have your plus two. So you hit there you go. And fourth edition yeah. was kind of like that, too, where I feel like you could argue and and try to oh, but if I move this way, I get flanking. And if I do this and I activate this ability. And so it was a way of trying, how can I get my character to hit rather than just mm-hmm. rolling to see if you hit? Like you roll and then you try to augment that number as best you can. But yeah. Nice. Anyways, that's, I wonder if people will switch over to Pathfinder, but we'll see. It, it's so popular right now, Dungeons and Dragons. It's just like, there's no bump in the road. Like if there was a bump happening right now, there was some big brouhaha brewing about the yeah. rules or something wasn't, people weren't liking, but just the sheer number of stories that I hear of people that are about to start playing Dungeons and Dragons, they want to introduce their friends and they say to them things like, well, I could run you a Numenera game or I could run you a DCC game or I could run you these other games that I'm into because I've been playing for so long that I've switched to try to play out some other ones mm-hmm. those new people coming in are like no no no. we just want to play dungeons and dragons all we've been hearing about is dungeons and dragons that's the one we want to play will you run that one <laughs> you know it's like well okay. and that's what i'm saying like you're right yeah. new people will play dungeons and dragons but i think the veterans yeah. i'm that's who i'm wondering like the veteran like me and you and, and the then I, I look at us and we're just like well we're probably not going to switch over to pathfinder 2 but who knows maybe the rule sets i'm gonna cool. play it yeah i'm gonna play it so I wonder if it if it'll pull people away from 5e for a little bit because it's yeah. the latest new thing is what I is what yeah, the only reason. Yeah. So we not that it's better, out. not that it's worse. It's going to be different, but it's also going to be newer. And so I wonder that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Pathfinder, that's going to be Gen Con 2019, which I just got my plane ticket for. So everything is locked into place. I'm officially going <laughs> to Gen Con. <laughs> That is good. Uh, there was one um, Dragon Plus Q&A that I saw Jeremy do this week that I thought was really interesting. Answered just a bunch of random questions Q&A-wise, but it was some, most of it was on the Artificer thing. And one question came up that was interesting because I'm playing a wizard right now, and I think you're playing an Eldritch Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might, this might have come up to you too. There is one thing that we all run into for those of us that cast spells is the idea of the concentration spell. And when we're picking our spells in our minds, we have to keep in mind that, oh, I, if I pick these two, I can only have one of them running at once, right? Yeah. I can't really have both of them running or whatever, because you can start to get, you can go a different way imaginatively if you're looking at your spells and you could run them all. So the question was asked, could you remove concentration? Why is it in there? Why does it, why does it need to be there? And I thought Jeremy's answer now for just, you probably read the notes, but what was your first impression of why concentration was there? 
Um, if you were to just ask me that, which you just did, it's amazing. Uh, I would say it's because certain spells should not be comboed with other spells. Like I mm-hmm. shouldn't be able to have hex and uh, my blade hex and maybe like protection from good and evil on me all at the same time. Like it's just mm-hmm. like so over. Or here's another one. I shouldn't be able to cast bless and bane as a cleric. And, and so give all of my players a plus D4 and all of the enemies a minus D4 um, mm-hmm. because that would just be too overpowered uh, from one character doing that. So yeah. that was what and I would think. The, like certain, that, certain spells just shouldn't overlap. But Yeah, yeah. And that was my thought too is when I looked at some of those spells, you could start to come up with some really OP combinations. But I thought too, that was my thinking. When, when I heard him say it is he actually said, Jeremy said it wasn't so much about the balance of it because you live in a magical world where you have very powerful magical beings that are combining very powerful abilities from their, from their class, their subclass, their spells, their magic items, their all this stuff. So all this stuff could overlap in some way, somehow anyways, but they said what they were, what they were really concerned about is having so many overlapping spells that a round of combat would grind to a halt as everybody tried to figure out, which overlapping thing was affecting who of all the different overlapping things that are happening. And then all the other bonuses. So I get a plus four here, but a minus two here and a plus five for this. And because that's a throwback to what they tried to get rid of from um, third edition was this idea of you're getting bonuses and minuses from so many places that it takes so long to figure out what you're going to add to your role that it slowed the combat down. Fourth edition tried to, level that field a little bit and then fifth edition continued the trend or did it Mm -hmm. a slightly different way but this idea of there's only a few bonuses that you need to worry about you're not trying to count up a lot of them and try to not slow down a combat round so i thought it was interesting that their actual take on it that it was more about not slowing things down they they were concerned at some points about some of the overlap but that wasn't the driving factor with concentration so i thought that was very Hmm. interesting well, and it makes there. sense because from their game design, uh, they wanted the game, the rules to be accessible and not to feel bloated. And so that is a mechanic that stops that. So, yeah, I could totally see that. It's just yeah. kind of, it's funny. Like I, and I think we're, we're people that our mind instantly goes to balance mm-hmm. rather than what is the overall design for this, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause we're just like, well, that would be too powerful to do this and this and this, but <laughs> you could also just make the monsters that much more powerful to yeah. augment that the players could do that. So this is, it makes mm-hmm. more sense that the game design is around um, making the game more accessible and, and easier to play, you know? I'd almost like to see maybe a short campaign where you take the concentration break off just to see it all fall apart in, in some glorious 10th level. Yeah. Lots of spells are happening. But in some ways, that's the type of magic some people imagine in their world that type like a gandalf style sauron style magic like not just i threw a fireball or i throw a firebolt or i get a little bit you know into the bigger spells there's still not the grand huge spell casting the the thing that was that creates the the spell plague or you know the big battles between wizards that just wreck the world we don't have spells that do that right but all of a sudden take concentration off and see what happens. I think that could be fun. So I thought it was interesting. Um, that was one of the ones that 
because I always struggle when I'm picking my spells. Like I don't want to pick too many concentration spells because I know well, I really want this one up. I want I want haste because I want to give my buddy haste, and I'm going to hope that stays up as long as possible. So I might pick another one in case it goes down. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to have a full list of concentration spells, and then the only one I cast is haste, and I've got nothing else to do when I'm thinking about it. So I thought that was interesting. I noticed you had thrown on just a couple more notes, which were super cool. I saw on Twitter. Tell us about the 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 cool Funko. Yeah, so uh, this is not official Funko, but uh, D&D is licensing out. Uh, they're going to release some Funko Pop-like figurines. Um, and I'll put a link in the chat because they got a really cute, like, Owlbear and Dragon. But um, if you like those kind of little figurines, like, I think mm -hmm. these are going to be fun. They're made by a company called Ultra Pro, I think. Yeah. Um, and so they're going to release these, like, little plastic figurines, um, which they're super cute. And I want, like, an owlbear at my desk. So that looks really fun. Um, that just kind of popped into my news. And then finally, um, the they released on Alien Day. Um, that they're going to come out with an alien RPG. And I love the alien franchise a whole bunch. Um, so, uh, and the alien RPG, they, it's, it's in the first stages. So nobody knows anything about it, but um, it's from the makers of tales from the loop, which won a whole bunch of awards and is a really good RPG and people are going on about it. Even dogs love it. It's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, I love the alien franchise. I'm really excited for that. Uh, a lot of, yeah, uh, Skull Dixon just said, well, people should just play Mothership. And that's true. Mothership is a great RPG, and it has a lot of... You could play an alien vibe game in Mothership really easy. I'm also mm -hmm. really curious how this is, because it's not only... Like, the way I was reading the article, or the way the article sounded, is that they're going to have kind of two modes of play. One is, let's do a one-shot with an alien encounter, and it's kind of like last man standing survivability kind of game which seems mm -hmm. really fun. And then they're going to have another version of the game where it's more of a long running campaign where you can do all kinds of things. Like, do you want to colonize this world? Do you want to do this? And I get the sensation that you might not even have um, an encounter with the aliens from alien. Like it, it's just playing in that world and being yeah. like a miner on an asteroid or colonizing mm -hmm. a planet or being in deep space or doing all this other stuff. So uh, it could be really cool. Like it's an interesting world and, Maybe they'll, I don't think they'll flush it out with any more movies because those movies haven't been doing very well. And so I think they're, they're done, but mm. we'll see. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Aliens is my number one movie of all time. It's the, anytime anybody asks, what movie do you take with you if you're stranded or you can't watch any other right. movies or blah, 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 blah. Aliens is it. That was my absolute favorite movie ever. It's in my top one. It was so, there is an RPG out there um, that I tried to play way back in the day. You mm -hmm. could get into it. But this is how much of a geek or nerd I am. I used to go out and find online to play on BBS boards or forum boards to play a role-playing game that way. So no Zooms, no Discord chats, none of that stuff yet. It was just typing it out. And you would, these things were massive. They made full aliens um platoons filled with people ran by people that were running the story in your squads or your unit or your platoon or whatever it was would go out and do things and we would play through just typing through forum boards and live in that world just like you're saying mm -hmm. and it would be all of it it wouldn't be just fighting the aliens it would be 
putting down a, a minor uprising or going and exploring a new world or going mm -hmm. in on a rescue mission or um, fighting some other corporate entity or hijacking a ship or stopping a hijacking. And then there was some fight the aliens at a, at a research facility. It was all that stuff written out. And I would always wanted that. There is a lot of effort that many people put into the alien franchise. There are, they were like the first virtual rooms before virtual room reality was going. They yeah. had alien, you could run through warehouses of actors in alien suits being led through and flashing lights and gun sounds and everything in London. And it was like a full on experience. So this is a huge franchise that has a huge fan base behind it. And they do a lot of storytelling. They do a lot of game playing. They do a lot of, um, I mean, Aliens vs. Predator was one of my favorite video games ever that you could play our, our buddies because we'd all get in there. One? And we'd be, there'd be all space Marines and there'd be one alien yeah. going around and hunting and making more aliens. Oh, we love that so much. That was the best I, game. I love that. You got to so run I, up the walls. It was so good. Yeah. yeah it was really <laughs> different vision modes and yeah. it was just so, so good. So definitely this reminded me of how much of a big fan I am that for, for sure next year 2020 i'm gonna do like on on aliens day alien day i want to do a game and i'm I, if this is out i'll use their brand new rpg if not i'm gonna go find one of the old ones and i'm gonna run that game because i just love this franchise so much it was so good it sounds I can't awesome wait. yeah i can't wait for that. i'll be there for that i love and this tales, i mean well. tales from the loop is such a good book it is those designers so well are awesome together, so and they're gonna do this i'm like i'm on board i'm on um, and then the only other news we've been talking about news all day, but, uh, yeah. there was some adventure league changes that we literally discovered. Somebody mentioned in chat, like right before we went live, we don't know anything yeah. about this. So I think what we'll do is we'll read the dragon plus article. It will form a good opinion and come back next week and talk about it. Um, yeah. unless you well, want to dive in right now, but like, I don't know anything about it, but apparently no. there's some changes to adventure league, um, involving some red wizards of Thay. And should be interesting stuff. So uh, if you're curious now, you can go check out that uh, Dragon Plus article. And we will be back next week to talk about that. Um, because we don't, we, I, it totally went mm -hmm. past my radar. I was just like, yeah, oh, yeah, I guess I, I need to, to pay attention to Dragon Plus a little bit more. <laughs> um, but then other than that, uh, Lucian, did you play any games this week? What's going on in your, your RPG world? Yeah, so Tomb of Annihilation was our Wednesday game. Got rescheduled. I forget why exactly, but you know how games are. Every, everything gets rescheduled. You never get multiple games every single week in a row. It's never that lucky. Um, and that one's a six level. We're still in the jungle, so we're waiting to play that next week. I'm going to be playing from a hotel next week. This is how excited I am to keep playing that. I told him, yeah, I'm going to be there. I'll be in a hotel, but I'll be there to play um, when we play this. I, uh, Thursday night was our Horde of the Dragon Queen, and this was a cool adventure. I'm trying not to do too many spoilers for it. I know it's been out for a long time, and some of you may not have played it or may have played it, but many might not have, so I don't really want to spoil what's going on too much. Um, the only thing that happened in there, which was kind of interesting to me, and I, I was thinking that was a little bit of a cautionary tale for Dungeon Masters, is... Um, we had a character who has an interaction with an NPC. And I think that the, the interaction with the character and the DM is kind of, um, they're, they're kind of joking with each other a little bit. So like the, the one character sneaks into a tent and there's a bunch of prisoners in there. 
but that person isn't able to unlock the shackles. So the DM kind of plays this kind of snarky prisoner about why are you here um, rescuing us when you can't even open our shackles and really kind of given, you know, just kind of rubbing the player a little bit, everybody having fun and as a joke. But as the night went on, I felt like the the dungeon master kept coming back to that same joke about, you know, he kept, we kept saying it under his breath all the time or, or whenever that prisoner was in the scene is about, yeah, it's great. You guys rescued us, but you know, this person couldn't even open the, the things. And it was like, so it was just like over and over throughout the session. And it just reminded me that those of you DMS out there, or even just people in general, something that's kind of funny to you and may be funny to you three, four, five, six, seven, or eight times that you've said it, it might not be funny to others, the fifth or sixth or seventh. They might've found it funny the first three times, but then as you keep going at it, it becomes maybe not funny and you won't know because most people are going to be gracious enough not to create a scene during the, during an episode or a session. They don't want to ruin anybody's fun, but be careful about, digging in on something over and over and over. I think if you do a joke that's pretty funny and everybody at the table laughs, that's great, but kind of let it go at that point. Don't don't keep going. Have you ever had, I mean, does this even sound familiar? Like you've seen this kind of thing before, Jordan? Um, or? I mean, it's just social social problems in general, yeah. but uh, generally in the world of, of uh, comedy, I think they always talk about the rules of three. So if you make a funny mm-hmm. joke, you made a joke, everyone kind of laughs. If it feels like the right time to say it again, you can do it two more times, you know? And then mm-hmm. after the third time, then it's just annoying and nobody wants to bring it back anymore. So the, I always try to remember the rule of three. So if you're in a situation like that, think about it like, oh, yeah, three times probably should should ax this yeah. now. <laughs> and I'm probably guilty of this. I, I'm. It's something that I'm trying to keep an eye on as far as, because it's always fun to dig at your players. So like if me and Jordan were in a game and we're playing, there might be some digs we're throwing back and forth at each other just for fun. We, we've played games together before, but just remember that, you know, sometimes, like you just said, the rule of three, you don't want to dig too much, don't want to keep digging. And it doesn't want to become the same joke every single week over and over and over aha, you, you, you dropped your weapon again. Are you going to drop your weapon again this time, Jordan? Ah, you can swing that weapon. You can drop it again. It just becomes, I think, a little annoying. So be, be <laughs> a little careful. Yes, I'm going to drop my <laughs> weapon, Lucian. Yeah. And I'm going to drop my Gosh. fist in your face. <laughs> Flip the table. I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm Never out. playing Monopoly with you again. I'm out. You're always the shoe. Why are you always yeah. Why can't I be the shoe? <laughs> <laughs> so that was the only thing that popped up in that one and this is what i did as a dm i sent a note to that dm and i said hey i thought the session was great um the one person that you were kind of digging at a little bit signed off our session pretty quickly it was kind of like well i gotta go and then just camera off microphone off and i thought you might want to check in with that as a dm you always want to check in with your players you always want to make sure everybody's having a good time and if they're not having a good time Let's do whatever's everybody can have a good time. You know, we, let's do the thing that lets everybody have a good do a yeah. good time. So check in with your players. So I mentioned that to him and he said he'd check in, which I'm hoping that's all cool. And I think it is. I think we have a good group. I don't want to see anything happen. So I think it was really fun. The other thing we did Friday night. So last night was my me running a game, Seeking Revenor Expedition went out. Um, so this was my, I decided because I was going to watch Avengers um i had a bunch of stuff i was doing on thursday i took friday off to do it i know it was gonna be gone all day friday and then i was gonna run a game on friday night so i i didn't have a lot of time 
to prep the normal way I do, which is usually prep maps, prep tokens, prep monster stats, prep the storyline, and then I'm pretty much ready to go. I'll get my get my overlay ready and all this. So there's a lot of kind of work to go into one of the games I'm running at the moment um, to set things up. But this time I said, you know what? I'm going to try an all cinematic. I know Jordan always talks to me about theater of the mind. I'm always downing how I'm such a tactical player. I really should just get more experience with theater of the mind style play. So even on Thursday, when I told everybody that I was going to run a game, I was like, in my mind, I was like, this session is going to be theater of the mind. I'm not prepping maps, not worried about tokens. I'm not worried about any other prep other than that. It's just going to be full on cinematic theater of the mind style. And I think it went well. I think it was pretty fun. It was a, a group of players who found a ruined city that had been completely devastated by fire. They quickly realized that it's been dragon fire that has just went through this enormous city and has melted stone and burned everything down. And they're kind of going through it. And then there's these creatures that keep popping up out of these alleyways and throwing bone needles at them and, and damaging a couple of them, but they die really easy. And they're going further in the town, further in the town, they get to the river area and they realize these crab-like creatures are coming from the river. And there's this scene where a wave of them comes up and, and the idea is thinking like, it's just like a blanket of creatures that just comes at you. So very um, World War Z zombie kind of scene. Do you watch the movie with the Brad Pitt one where they come gushing down the alleyway in Jerusalem and then they smash against the wall and then they just keep going mm -hmm. and they're running over each other and they're climbing and scrabbling. So I wanted that kind of frenetic motion to the scene of them going, oh crap, we're running. They're 60 feet away from you and we're going and we're doing skill checks to see if you're falling behind or your stamina is keeping up or, or what's going. And then we have a huge dramatic scene where they're about to get pretty much caught up and the dragon, the big red dragon of the world comes swooping in and just lays waste to these creatures. And it was fun to be able to play a game where it was a lot of me explaining the scene in the way of what you can see, what you can feel, what you can hear, what you can taste, what you can smell. And not a lot of role playing, but a lot of just description of a crazy chase scene through a, a crumbling town while a wave of things tries to come at you. And there's just mm -hmm. no way to stop the wave. They're like, you know, we're going to, we're going to, somebody wanted to throw like some ball bearings down to slow them down. I'm just like, yeah, the wave goes right over that. And somebody throws down like a, a thorn patch or whatever wave goes. I mean, the first ones get caught in it and the other ones just go past it. Think of like an ant colony swarm or, you know, like, uh, like any of those shows where you're just watching those red fire ants just go crazy over things. That was what was happening in my mind. And they're just like, everything happens, just absorbs it. So super fun. I thought it was a fun way to do the adventure. I didn't have to draw a lot of maps out, which was cool. Um, I've got some notes from the players from last night that thought, oh, it was very fun. It was some cinematic. Um, they thought it was cool. I got some lore out. They know who the big bad dragon is now that mm -hmm. lives in that area. They know about this city. And now they're trying to decide some things that are cool. Like, so, oh, and I, I described a scene where the dragon jumps into the city. Cause I always wondered how does dragons get all their treasure? Right. 
Where's all that mound of treasure come from? Where's all those gold coins come from? I always right? think they have to have kobolds to like haul it back <laughs> yeah. to their lair. Cause I'm just like, what do you, do you just yeah. direct everybody, put it in a giant bag for me so I can fly away with all this treasure. Like right, how do right. they, they're, they're such big creatures and gold <laughs> coins and gems and stuff are so small. Yeah. So I didn't know how to explain that yet, but they were up in, um, they're about two miles away and up on a hill or a mountain where they can see down into the town. They see the dragon come down in, it picks a part of the town and it starts smashing buildings. They can see it digging around. And then all of a sudden in its claws, huge mounds of something, and it flies back up to its lair. And my idea was to give them this impression that this dragon is looting the city, right? That's, that was the impression I wanted them to get. That's what the conclusion they came to, which was really cool. Um, so now I thought, here's here's what I'm hoping there. Then they've been discussing in the Discord is, is, is this the place you want to go back to? You know a dragon goes in, searches around looking for things, comes once or maybe twice a day at any given time, but it's a big city. Do you try to sneak in there? you know, all Hobbit style, maybe get steal some things and then get back out before it figures you out. So it'll be fun to see if my characters um, decide to take that on or like everything else that happens in my campaign, they get scared and they don't go back. So like they go to the Black Pyramid, they can't clear more than the first room, they don't go back. They're like, it's too tough. They we go to the monastery, they can't clear the first room, they can't get to down to the second one. They're like, ah, we're not going there, we're not going back. Now the dragon city. So it's like, and they just said the funniest thing that I was laughing because I thought it was great. It was like, everything's hard. And I'm just like, yes, I've done my job. There is no easy goblin villages for you guys to ransack day in and day out. Everything here is hard. So get used to it, adventurers. Adventuring life is hard. That's why so many of them die. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my thing. That was the big thing I tried. I love the cinematic part of it. I don't, I still like tactical movement, and I think most of my sessions will be that way, but it was fun. It was refreshing. I didn't have to prep a lot to do a theater of the mind style game with big set piece things happening in it. And another thing, it was kind of freeing because there was really nothing the players could do to stop my set piece things from happening. Right. Whereas when I get into a tactical game and if I'm thinking of a big set piece thing, like, all right, the big bad guy is going to come out. And now here he is. All of a sudden they could do something that could mess up that set piece because we've gone so tactical and they could banish this guy or they could cast turn undead and it works and it's mm -hmm. gone. And now my set piece is all screwed up because I want this big set piece battle. But in this one, when it's theater of the mind, they just like there's not a lot of options for them. They just kind of have to roll with it. And uh, so I thought it was pretty fun, and I and I enjoyed it. So that was my big playing Dungeons and Dragons, running Dungeons and Dragons, and I can't wait till next week to play some more. Uh, did you get any Dungeons and Dragons in, or were you all DCC again? Um, I was all DCC, but uh, a couple of things are going on in my life. Well, first I'll talk about Dungeons and Crawl Classics. So we're playing through a module called The One That Watches From Below. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, welcome, Wandering Disciple. You just popped into chat. Um, and The One Who Watches From Below is a really fun uh, module that I've ran before with Dungeon Crawl Classics. And I, I kind of I printed out six adventures that I bought, and I put them all on Twitter 
And then uh, my Nathan, my player who follows me on Twitter, is like, I want to play that one because it's really cool. And and everyone else was like, yeah, those look like cool adventures. But he specifically really wanted to play this one with the eyeballs on it. And so I was like, okay, we'll play that one, even though I've <laughs> ran it before. But it's kind of nice because when you've run a module before, you're familiar with it. You don't have to prep as much, and you can kind of just play through the module. Um, it's been super fun. They got about a third of the way, maybe halfway through the module. Um and there's lots of puzzles and danger and fun. Uh, the cool thing about this module, though, and if you're going to play it, I'm going to probably say you guys should not listen to this because it's going to be probably major spoilers for the module. Major. Major. Uh, so if you think you'll ever play this, but if you want to run it, it's really cool. But um, there's a curse within the module. So if players mm-hmm. are too greedy, if they're too... Uh, there's, there's certain situations where they can... Uh, touch the wrong thing and in this case um, the thief decided to pry out some gems above a magical door but the minute he did that he fell down and his eyes left his body so now he's a he's a his body's still there and it's breathing but in, in where his eyes are is just smooth skin that covers his face and now his eyes can move around the map on walls and floor and ceilings and even graph onto other things Um, And so our thief is now a pair of eyeballs and he can kind of go forward and explore the area and then he can come back, but he can't talk. So he has to like blink. Um, They, they, they're really just doing yes or no questions with him right now. And he blinks (laughs) once for yes or twice for no, but there's some other creative ways they could figure out to talk if they really wanted to. Um, And so now the party is trying to figure out a way of putting his eyeballs back on his body and they've experimented with some other things. uh, And, they found a secret door. They went down. I thought they were going to go right, but they, or I thought they were going to go left, but they ended up going right because they found a secret door. So they're kind of like in the middle of this maze now trying to figure out what to do and where to go. Um, they were in a, a giant room that had these, and the whole, the whole dungeon is eye themed, which is really fun. There's eyes everywhere. And so there are these giant eye stalks that are like pillars that are holding up the ceiling with giant eyeballs on top. Mm-hmm. And, they walk over and they're like, I touched the, the, the pillar. And I'm like, well, then the pillar comes to life. So we had this really fun fight where these, these two giant pillars were like flailing around, attacking everyone. <laughs> and I was telling my players that the last time I ran this, the minute those things animated, my, the players ran out of the room. They were like, we don't want to even try and fight these stone things. But my players were just like, no, we're going to like stand our ground. And they ended up destroying both of the pillars. And I was really impressed. I was like, good job, guys. Like, <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. So... Case in point, you can play a module and different things happen at different times and it's just really fun like that. So yeah. um, so we'll see. They got a, a whole nother section to explore before we end. And if you guys are curious about these games, I've been recording my Dungeon Crawl Classic games and putting them up on my Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash Jordan with a PH in the middle, then J-O-R-P-H-D-A-N. Um, and I think the first one is there for anybody to listen to. And that was our zero level funnel. So it's open to the public. And then the other ones are, are for patrons, but, uh, they're really fun. I've been working on the audio to make them sound nice. And, uh, it's just gonzo and fun. So if you're curious about Mm -hmm. DCC, definitely check that out. Those are fun. And then the other thing I'm doing with my life right now is I got the itch to start writing another adventure. Yes. So I I was like, I want to write an adventure. I want to write a dungeon. 
Um, and I started writing and how I usually write is I come up with like a kind of a generic idea. And then the more I write, the more that generic idea is like, oh, well, what if this happens? And I don't limit myself. I just kind of write down everything that pops into my head. And then I go back later and I'm like, actually, this doesn't really fit with the dungeon. Oh, but you know what? If I change this, it would really fit with what I want to do for this adventure and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I am writing and I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, and I've got this really, what I think is a really cool idea that I don't really want to give out because, you know, we'll talk about it. I'll talk about it more in depth when I publish this adventure, which will, you know, maybe be in like two months or something. But uh, I wanted to ask two questions. And the first one is, what are your writing habits, Lucian? How do you design adventures? How do you design dungeons and things like that? Yeah, my habits are terrible because they all happen at one or two in the morning when I'm supposed (laughs) to be sleeping. And then all of a sudden the idea pops in my head and I'm like, oh, what if this, and then whether it's for my campaign or like you said, I'm also turning one of the adventures that we, we played on the channel, um, McLancy Waddle smiles. Yeah. I want to turn that into an actual adventure and publish that. So I'm working on that at the moment. Um, and so all of that writing always happened away from my computer and was in my head thinking about one aspect of it. So I might've thought about why do the adventures need to go to the ship that's wrecked how do i get them there like and so all day i'll be thinking about that one little thread and then when it finally pops in i'll rush home or i'll finally get home or i'll be near where i can get it on my computer and i'll get that piece in i'm like all right i feel good and i can go off and do some other things and then another thread will happen it'll be like all right so but how do i get them then how do i get them to go from the ship or why would they want to go not even how do i get them to go but why would they want to go from the ship to this next part? What would even make sense for that? Mm. And they're like, oh, that's the next piece. Or why does the bad guy do what they want to do? Why does the why do these things happen? Why would they even do it that way? Because I'm always constantly trying to go back and think about the realism of it. I know we're in a fantasy world, but the idea of if I'm a cult, what is my and in the whole adventure is around a cult trying to perform a ritual. And what is the ritual going to do? It's going to bring out some bad guy. Okay. But what is the thing they have to do? How did they find out about the ritual? Who was the one that gathered all the cultists and convinced them to do the ritual? And why are they doing it now? Like all those things start to pop into my head, but at different times, and then I'll start writing those little things down. So I don't have what I would think of as like probably good writer habit, which would be just sit down and start typing things out and say, okay, right now uh, it's one, almost one o'clock. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to work for an hour on my adventure. It's always happening while I'm out running or walking or sleeping or should be sleeping or showering or <laughs> any of those other times where my mind just wanders is when I'm thinking about my campaigns, my storylines. If I want to write a book, like I'm thinking about, oh, these characters could do this or because I've always fan, not that I'd ever write a book, but you always have that fantasy of thinking, oh, if I wrote a book, this is what it would be about. It would be about this character's doing these things and oh, that'd be a cool storyline uh, or campaigns in that way. So that's what I'm doing now. I, I'm assuming the Jordan way is hopefully less frenetic than that. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but not. I want to I talk about, uh, I was reading Sly Flourish's blog um, mm-hmm. and, I, and he was saying in one of his blog posts that he's like, the best thing that you can do as a dungeon master is just go for a walk. Don't put in headphones. Don't do anything. Just go for like a 15 minute walk because allowing your mind to wander will unlock things. And I go on daily walks because I just work in an office and it's stuffy and I don't have any windows. So around two o'clock, I'm like, I'm going for a walk because I need sunshine. 
Um, and I come up with some of the best stuff for my Dungeons and Dragons game during that walk. And it's just really invigorating to go out and be like, oh, yeah. And then when they go left, <gasps> they go left. And then you like run home or run to mm-hmm. my desk and I'll like jot down some ideas and things like that. So a lot of a lot of the stuff is I go out. Hi, Felix. Yeah, he's running around. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of the stuff is um, going out and and just thinking about your problems. And in a lot of my writing, I'll sit down and I'll write questions just like you did. Like, how do they yeah. stop the ritual? Why are they doing the ritual? Da, da, da. And then once you pose those questions, you start thinking about them. And then when you are showering, you come up with an answer with that question and you go back mm-hmm. and you type it out and stuff. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, do you, because I realized as I was writing this, um, I feel like, let me collect my thoughts. I feel like, <laughs> Dragon on the Mount was an adventure. Um, It had adventure aspects. And then there was like a little bit of a dungeon crawl to kind of explore the caverns. This next one that I'm writing, as I was writing it and kind of feeling it out, it feels a lot like just a dungeon crawl. So I wanted to say, like, what is the difference? What do you think is the difference between an adventure and a dungeon crawl? Like, how do I write an adventure as opposed to just making a, you know, like, or what is the difference? Yeah. 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 A storyline, right? Right. A threat, a something... You to me because I've done this now. Right now, most of my seeking revenor are dungeon crawls, interspaced, where the expeditions can go out and do them. But there is no quest that sent them out there. There's nobody mm-hmm. saying I need you to go out there and do this thing for me. There's no go get the MacGuffin. There's no somebody's been kidnapped. There's no hey, there's a mystery of missing people. Can you go find it out? It was just there's a world out there, and when you leave the the safety walls of Port Bastion whatever you decide to go and stumble into is what you go in and stumble into. So to me, I think of um, a dungeon crawl is like an open sandbox adventure. So it's, I create a map. I tell you all the things that are happening there. I tell you how the factions and the world reacts and they do these things, whether the characters are there or not. And that way, now that you know how that little microcosm works, you can decide how does this all get changed when it, five adventurers bust down the door how does the microcosm get mixed up whereas an adventure to me is like the mayor has asked my group as Mm -hmm. we were passing through for some help and they want me to go up to this tower because the mayor's daughter was kidnapped so we're going to go up there and try to help the daughter but while we're up there we find out that the tribe kidnapped the daughter because there's some other thing going on or the mayor's actually evil and they she wanted to be kidnapped or taken away. Mm-hmm. She wasn't kidnapped. She went willing and all that, that can unfold. And that to me is an adventure because it's a story and it feels like you're writing a chapter as if you were reading the book of this adventuring party. And this was just one of their chapters where while we were here at this time, this is the thing that happened. It was a cool story thread that goes through it. So to me, it's those two things of the, the storyline that you take your players through or the open sandbox you take your players through. And those would be the two differences in my mind. Yeah. Um, and that's a great answer. So thank you. Uh, but it really got me thinking cause I, I don't know, like I was trying to define it for myself and part of me was like, well, is a dungeon crawl? Cause like in my, uh, and Nathan points out in the YouTube chat, he was saying like hot springs Island is more like a dungeon crawl, but I kind of disagree with that because hot springs Island has all of these story elements that they, the players picked up on and built their own story out of dungeon crawl or out of uh, hot springs Island. 
And so they latched onto the Night Axe Ogres and they wanted to help them and they wanted to do this. And there was this underlying theme that they were all slaves looking for money, but they decided they wanted to help the island and they built a story around that. And so that didn't feel like a dungeon crawl to me. But in my other game, my Saturday, Sunday game that I run, the last little bit was I built a giant inverted pyramid and and that feels like a dungeon crawl to me because they're there to like they were sent into the pyramid to, you know, explore it and find out what causes the, the magic in the pyramid to be like this. But they were just exploring room after room. And, you know, and I think about like White Plume Mountain feels like a dungeon crawl to me because you're you have a we- really weak premise of like you need to go in and, and find these three magical weapons. But it's literally just, well, we don't know where the weapons are, so we're just exploring yeah. Um, and it, I don't know. And so it got me thinking the, the more I was, the more I was writing my adventure, the more I realized that it felt more like a dungeon crawl than it felt mm-hmm. like an adventure. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. Maybe mm-hmm. I should just keep going the direction I'm going because I'm certain a lot of people will be able to like, Oh, you mean I can take this one shot and I can drop it into my own world and they can mm-hmm. have like a fun night of exploring a dungeon. Like that's mm-hmm. part of D and D. But it would be up to the dungeon master, I think, to figure out the reason for them to go into that dungeon. And mm-hmm. and then it got me thinking, is that poor writing that I'm not giving them a reason <laughs> to go into the dungeon? I could obviously write a quick little reason, like the mayor of the town asked you to explore the local ruins to find his hat. You know, mm-hmm. you can make like a superfluous reason to go into a dungeon. But mm-hmm. is that an adventure or is that just a lame hook to go into a dungeon crawl? Yeah, and now that you've said that, you allowed my mind to continue to grapple the the question. Here's the other thing that stands out to me as you were saying that. The adventure is a story you were writing and the players get to participate in. The dungeon crawl, the players are writing the story. Okay. You have no story that you put into it. it. Just like Hot Springs Island is a big island that has elements but you never know what that story is until the players make their decisions and they make that story happen. Like you don't have a story in mind. There is no act one, act two, act three for you. But I feel like an adventure, you have a storyline in place. You have this idea and they're going to encounter it. Whereas the other one, they're just, they're making it up as they go. And the story comes from them making up things or making their decisions as they go, deciding not to fight the, the axe ogres yeah. or warring with the fire newts or whatever. Yeah. That's you didn't, you, that wasn't your storyline. You weren't mm-hmm. trying to make those two factions fight. It only came up because they encountered them and what they chose. And then the story happened after their decisions. Mm-hmm. Whereas an adventure, you're making a lot of story decisions before you even know what the players are going to choose. You don't know what they're going to do yet. You're already making your storyline. The dungeon is just the dungeon. No storyline has been created. We'll make the story after they went in and they came back out. So McLancy Waddles. Is McLancy Waddles an adventure? Storyline. Because it's a storyline. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because it was this, I crash something up against the shore. I want the players to go explore it. They get involved in this great evil that's been unleashed. And do they decide to stop it and chase it down and track it down? And I already know it spreads to different places and why it spreads and how it got out of there before they found it. Like I, in my mind, I was thinking, how do, how does all this stuff happen? What's the timeline of all of it? And why are they just getting there at the end of it? The person's already left. 
Like that storyline was already written. We didn't wait to play to see if that person escaped. That had already happened. Yeah. Whereas right now the stuff I'm running is dungeon crawl stuff because I'm just like, here's a big dungeon, multi-layer dungeon. And the story is coming out of it. Like when the person got trapped in it and got taken prisoner and then I needed a way for them to escape and it came up with a whole storyline about there's a gate down there and there's demons and devils are fighting over it. That all came after they tackled it. I didn't have any of that thought out until what they did in the dungeon. So it kind of came from that instead of me deciding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's the difference. And I think you're right. I think both are valid and there's, there's fans and groups of people that will like both. Yeah. And I think it's cool that you're going to make several different types of don't just do one. So I don't know. That was my thought is maybe I needed to shift it more into an adventure. But after this talk, like I kind of agree with you about hot springs Island now, because you, you put it very eloquently. Um, and maybe I do just create a fun dungeon that somebody can mm-hmm. throw into and they can make their own lore around it kind of a thing. And I'll sprinkle yeah. little things in here and there. It's obviously going to have a theme and it's going to have a bunch of other stuff. It's not going to be like, and in this room, a pie hits your face. And in this other yeah. room spikes and gob, you know, no, like, no. but it can develop. So yeah. Like, yeah. The but it can develop. See, yeah. They become, Oh, they really like the fire newts. They can become real characters and you can give them the chieftain's name becomes a main character and, mm-hmm. and more stuff can stem from that now that that choice has been made. But I didn't make that choice in the beginning. I had no idea they were going to even right. see things, let it develop. And that can be fun as a GM maybe to allow that flexibility of I'm not going to use my creativity until I see what they do mm-hmm. versus I need to use my creativity because I kind of know what's going to happen, but I need to know how that changes based on what they do. But I know what's supposed to happen, right? Like Mm. I know the cult gathers members, they do the ritual. And if they're left alone, big things summon bad for world. That's the storyline. So what happens when they get introduced to that? So So, that's interesting. Awesome conversation. Thank you, sir. Uh, Thank you guys in chat for hanging out and chatting with us this morning. Um, Really awesome. And Lucian, you need to get into the YouTube chat as well because people were trying to talk to you. (laughs) So next week I'm going to bug you about that and you need to be two chat windows open. Um, That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming out. We will be back next week with some interesting stuff to talk about Adventure League as we read that Dragon Plus article, as well as whatever games we're running. I'll have more DCC to talk about and maybe I'll get a little further on my adventure. Uh, The Forgotten Realms Book Club is not this weekend, but should be maybe next weekend. We're going to do a live stream on my main channel on YouTube. Um, So if you're interested in watching that, it should be a lot of fun. We're going to do audio chats with patrons, I think. We're going to be in a Discord audio chatting about the book, but then you can also chat with us in text during the live stream. should be a lot of fun. Um, other than that, Lucian's got a bunch of games that he's running throughout the week. So be sure to subscribe to twitch.tv slash Sir Lucian. Um, anything else before we go, sir? Nope. Keep an eye on Twitter, Sir Lucian gaming and Twitter. Cause I'm always posting what I'm doing there. Yep. Jordan posts a lot on there too. So definitely get his at Jordan with the pH. Um, and then I can't wait to see you guys next week. We're going to have a lot of games for you and a lot of news. So. Yeah. Sounds good. So we'll see you guys later. Bye everybody. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.